So I, I was born in Oakland and lived in San Francisco a little bit and then, then moved to Marin. And I have, I have one, my first ever memory, a memory that I had uh, that was generated when I was so young that I don't even remember it directly. I remember it um, only in dreams. And I've had, I've had this, this thing has occurred to me for my entire life in dreams. And, and it's, so it was an incident where there was a floor heater in the house and it had a mechanism with a pilot in it quite near the surface of it. And you weren't really supposed to walk on it. And I crawled out onto it and burned myself rather badly on the pilot. And what the, the content of the dream is this, um, like this vast dark space with the blue light and then, then just a horrible noise, which I think was just me screaming, right? <laughs> right? And, and uh, that's it, right? Um, but my second memory, and this is this was when I was about three, we moved into this big, and I, I remember this as clear as if it happened you know, last week, basically. We moved into this this big ramshackle old house in in Marin, and and in the process of checking out the house and some, somewhere in the process of checking out the house or moving into the house, we, we wound up looking at, all standing around this little room, right? And the story of this house was that it was owned by this family and the, the woman that was the um, female head of household um, was just a master gardener and kind of, you know, she the, she she made the place just incredibly beautiful, right? And we benefited from her skill for fifteen, easily fifteen years after we moved into that place. Um, but over time, you know, her um, her various people moved away, and then her husband died, and then she was less and less comfortable and. And she moved, she, you know, it was, it was a big house and she moved s slowly into smaller and smaller spaces until finally she was living in a room that's a, that was the size of eh, about a quarter of this tatami expanse. And everything was in this room. So, um, you know, uh, there, there was actually, there was actually a bath in, in, the, in this very small room next door. But everything else, washing machine, um, sink to do the dishes, refrigerator, the bed, all this other stuff, it was just packed into this little tiny room, very low ceiling, and kind of unfinished in the sense that it was, a, you know, it just had raw planks on the walls and so on and so forth. And I have this, I remember that room so clearly. It seemed so just terrible right like i i i felt this this overwhelming kind of sadness and sense of claustrophobia in this room it felt so close and difficult and 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 just cramped it's like i wanted to i wanted to run right you know and and you know like i said i remember that very clearly to this day and remember standing around it and and just going i don't want to be in here at all and and essentially from that moment on i was convinced that the house was haunted right and and i and i um 
started experiencing the house as haunted. <laughs> so the, the first, first experience like this that I can remember is I was lying in bed. I think my, maybe my sister, maybe I was, no, I think my sister was um, in the next room or something like that, but my parents were down the hall. I was lying in bed. It was, um, it was really late at night. I kind of woke up a little bit and I looked over and there standing in the door, right, leaning up against the, the door. The door was open. And leaning up against the door was a six-foot-tall black cartoon duck with a yellow bill. <laughs> and he was, he was just sitting there staring at me like <laughs> And I was completely terrified. <laughs> and... I, I lay there and I tried really hard not to appear to be awake. I didn't want to you know, be caught looking at him because I was afraid if I was awake, he would somehow, you know, address me in some way or something like that. It was just, it, it was terrible. I was, I was really, really scared. And, um, and then I kind of faded out and went back to sleep. In the, and when I woke up, the duck was gone, right? Um, and then it went on. I had, I had this experience a few years later where... Um, and I, uh, there's, there was more of this as well, but I mean, this was one of the really serious ones where, where I woke up in the middle of the night again and, and my bed was crawling with snakes. It was just, I was like, it was like somebody had dumped a, a giant box of snakes on my bed and they were all slithering around and there was this big snake like on my chest and he would put his head up like this and was kind of looking me in the eye and and uh and I just screamed bloody murder and my mother came running down the hall and turned on the lights and the snakes fortunately for all, us all vanished right um and after that they um they took me in their room because I was really freaked out I was like Ah, like this, and they they lay me on the bed in between them, and I I remember watching a jellyfish float up out of my dad's sock drawer, and a, like a large black jellyfish with hanging tendrils, and float across the room like this, and sort of go into the closet. <laughs> And it was it was just completely freaky. I mean, so you know, and let's see what what other what other ones do I do I need to talk about? Um, oh yeah. So the other thing that would happen really regularly is I would I would again be wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd have this distinct sensation that there was somebody sitting on the bed right next to me and I could sort of see a shadow on the wall but I would I would like not move or pay any attention to them because I was worried that, that you know something bad would happen right um, and that happened a lot right um, so it was really it was really scary living in that house and and I used to I used to be, be scared all the time when I was in the house, and particularly at night, particularly when I was alone. And, but every now and again, I'd have a brave moment. And, and if I was there in the daytime and it was sunny and nice and, and there was nobody around, I would go into the living room, I would lie down on the floor, and I would say, okay, 
goes. Maybe now would be a good time to come out and share yourselves and we can have a talk, right? And, <laughs> and, uh, and they, would, they would never come then, right? And, and, and I, would, I would last between three and five minutes and then I would flee the house and go to the neighbors and, and hang out and wait till somebody else came home because I, I, uh, I couldn't stand to be in the house at all, right? Um, so, I think, I think this, I mean, I guess what I want to say about this is that, that, People are probably familiar with the um, with this sort of scheme that was cooked up by the Sarvastivad and Abhidharmas in the in the um, last couple of centuries of the before the Common Era, right? But just to summarize it, right there, you if you chant ever chant the Heart Sutra, all the components of are listed of it are listed in the Heart Sutra, right? So there. The idea is that there's a world of form, and in the world of form, there's um, it's, it includes your sensory hardware, but it also includes you know bags and bells and so on and so forth and animals and um, and in the world of form, there there's a, there are moments of contact, right? In fact, you know this bag is contacting the tatami, but also my finger is contacting the bell, right? And, and in, when, the, when one of the objects in that, that moment of contact is, is a sensory organ, then a sensation is, arises. And that sensation, um, the, you know, our bodies are just a welter of sensation and some massive percentage of the sensations that we're experiencing right now um, never see the light of day, right? Because we don't perceive them. They're, you know, they're, you're, my body right now is telegraphing this, this incredible amount of information about the disposition of every piece of it um, to my brain. And my brain is in this big feedback loop with it doing sort of um, allostatic control and all the rest of that sort of thing. And most of that stuff doesn't arise to the level of perception, right? But... Um, sensations that are that have a high degree of excitation or are very pleasant or very unpleasant or relatively pleasant or relatively unpleasant um, uh, tend to show up as you know how what we're familiar with. I have a twinge in my a slight twinge in my right hip, and I just heard a car go by, and so on and so forth. Right. Um, and once it, something arises to the level of perception and, and lands in our awareness, this thing happens where, um, where our mind starts making suggestions about it, right? Um, it, it, the, in, the, in the scheme, they're the thing that they... they um, they describe it as is usually translated something like mental formation, right? Um, but it can also be it also it, it, the same word is used to mean volition in in uh, um, I think Sanskrit, right? Um, and 
and and what's going on there is there's this there, well I mean in the in the scheme you have this it, essentially it's memory this um, storehouse consciousness which is matched against the present uh, perceptive reality um, and which suggests explanations and patterned responses and and um, and um, you know canned uh, or stored physical procedures that you could you know you could um, you could use right and and every now and again you can really you can really screw this up like um, I, I I get up in the morning and my I make my my wife and myself a, a cup of coffee and two arrow presses and um, and it's I'm usually just going on on stored procedures, right? I'm not really doing a lot of thinking about it. And it's easy to, to like pick up the coffee pot, pour the water into the cup rather than the arrow press and then put the coffee pot down and go, oh wait. <laughs> but, but in any case, that's the, that's the mechanism, right? And you can see how this would lead to a mental life that's inhabited by demons, right? So let's say you have a really, you know, horrific um, moment or two where you are convinced something bad is going on. Um, if you store that and, and, and bring it up under a variety of circumstances, it can start to feel like your life is haunted, right? Um, and and the suggestions that come out, the interesting thing about it is it's pretty clear that what's going on is that your mind is suggesting things and then and then dragging in sensory information in order to confirm them or 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 disprove them and then doing the next thing right so your your mind is constantly cooking up um, you know, suggestions about what might be going on, and particularly, I mean, you notice that pretty much all of the the hauntings that I was talking about happened while I was in bed. Who knows how much asleep and how much awake I was? It's a, the boundary between waking and sleep is very fuzzy, right? But you're a lot more suggestible when you're asleep than when you're awake, right? So um, then, when you're fully awake, so. Um, but but nonetheless, the 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 ability of of the of the, your storehouse consciousness, the the thing that essentially makes you alive, memory, life is just memory, basically playing out in the world, um, more than anything else. Right? But the, the thing that makes you alive is constantly trying to explain to you what's going on. That's that, there. There's a there's a um, prescription for haunting, right? Um, and so I have, a, I have a couple of redemption stories around this too. So the first one is, um, the other fee big feature of this house was that it had a sub-basement that was full of lumber and it was also just crammed full of black widows, right? And we were instructed never to go down there. 
Um, it was, it was, you know, it was just spider heaven, right? And and uh, and so after a while, I started having these really terrifying dreams about spiders, right? So, um, and it lasted from the time I was seven or eight all the way up until probably as I was in my yeah, I was in my early 30s when they when they when they stopped in this very particular way. But um, the, the and the, you know the spiders were all normal size and stuff like that. They were just really aggressive and disturbing, and they would like jump at me and crawl on me and all this sort of thing. And it was quite terrifying, actually. Um, and and then one day, I had a, when I was in my early 30s, I had a dream where this spider was doing his thing, and I was. And then he just he jumped up and he went up like this and instead of landing on me or something, he turned into this vortex, right? This sort of pattern in space and, and just hung there like sort of shimmering and waving. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty cool. And, and, and after that point, the, the dreams mostly stopped and, and they were never as scary or difficult as before. I'd like, there was something had happened that had, that sort of canceled it out, right? And but the funny thing is that at that point, um, I was spending a lot of time with my with a, a daughter of mine who was, and she was like three or something like that, and maybe two. And I showed her my tattoos. I got a tattoo of a spider on my shoulder to celebrate the moment. And I was showing her my tattoos. And I was like, yeah, there's this one here and this one here. And look, here's my scary one. See, it's a spider. And she was like, why is that your scary spider, your scary tattoo? And I explained about the spider dreams. And then I was, at this point, I was separated from her mom. And a couple of weeks later, her mom called me up and said, Zachary, your daughter is having scary spider dreams now. <laughs> So I I had infected her with with my demon, right? And um and and so what we came we came up with a plan where we were going to um you know like say positive things about spiders whenever possible. Right? <laughs> and and so we did we went worked that for a while and about a year later we were up in Ashland uh, um yeah, Ashland, Oregon with visiting my sister and um and I was sitting in the kitchen, um, drinking a cup of coffee at about 7.30 in the morning. And she comes in and she goes, Daddy, look what I found out on the porch. And she opens her hand and there's this giant wolf spider in the middle of her hand. It's just huge and gray and fuzzy and all that sort of thing. They're, they're very large spiders and they're kind of creepy looking, right? And, and I was like, that's great, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take Mrs. Spider outside, shall we? <laughs> and we got up and we we walked out on the porch and we she put her hand down and that wolf spider was like and then walked off, right? And uh and we went back inside and I was like, you know, Deirdre, you need to be really careful with spiders because some spiders are poisonous. And she goes, No, Daddy, all spiders are poisonous, right? <laughs> so so she was completely, completely fixed, and I was completely fixed. It didn't, it didn't really take much, right? And then the last one is this. So about five years ago now, I was at Tassajara um, um, 
preparing myself for Dharma transmission. And I was in the baths, and you know, the baths there are great. I don't know if there, how many people have been there, but they're great. They're really, really comfortable and delightful. And I was lying in this really hot water, you know, barely had anything sticking out of the water. And every now and again, I'd hear somebody uh, walking around in the space. And all of a sudden, this being spoke up in my mind and said, you know, this could be dangerous. You might, somebody might hurt you, right? And I, and I was like, oh, there you are. <laughs> it's like I've been having a conversation with that one ever since, you know, I can remember and certainly ever since I decided my house was haunted, right? And um, at that point, all of a sudden, it was possible to, um, to, in some ways, look them in the eye and get to know them, right? They're, it's like there are, the, there are these schemes like, you know, internal family systems and stuff like that where they, they analyze your inner life as kind of a family or a menagerie. But it's really true, you know, the, like the, you're, you're full of, because of this, the, way, the way it works we were talking about before, you're full of these sort of half-formed entities and thought loops and, and other things like that that are constantly competing for your attention, right? And suggesting themselves and suggesting what should happen next, right? Um, and every now and again, you can meet the one who is scared all the time, or you can meet the one that's unconsolable, or that um, is, you know, I don't know, delighted by the way the sun comes through a particular window, right? Um, and get to know them a little better, and then all of a sudden, um, it's not so much of a problem, right? So, in some ways, that's all I had to say. What time is it now? Yeah. So, how about this? What if you divide up into groups of three-ish, um, and I have a discussion prompt which is this, um, what's your most difficult, you know, uh, in, inner entity what, and, you know, the, that tells you to do stuff or that, that whose voice drives you to do, you know, something that you don't really like all that much? And then the next question is, how do you how do you meet them and deal with it?